The previous Mishnah listed a number of things which must be said in Loshna Kaidesh in the language as they are written in the Torah. And the first one on the list was Mikrobikurim. When one brings Bikurim to the Bishamikdosh, Bikurim refers to the gift of the first fruit which ripen in one's field, which he brings to the Bishamikdosh, and upon bringing them, he makes a declaration of thanks to Hashem. So the Mishnah asks, Mikrobikurim Ketzad, in this case the word Ketzad means sort of how do we know? How do we know that this declaration must be made in Loshna Kodesh? Answers the Mishnah because the Torah says, You should call out and say in front of Hashem your God. And then the Torah goes on to describe how he should thank Hashem when he brings the Bikurim. And elsewhere the Torah says, regarding the blessings and the curses which were said in Hargarizim and Har Eval, as we'll discuss in a couple of Mishnah's time, over there the Pasuk says, And the Levim will call out and say, so the Torah uses the same word or the same root in both places, v'onisa and v'onu. So we learn using a gezer shava. A gezer shava is where a, the same root of the word is used in two different places in the Torah. And as a result, we learn laws from one to the other. And it's passed down by tradition as to when we exactly use a gezer shava. But this is one of the times where we use Xer Shava, and the Mishnah explains, not halon, just like the Aniyo, that term, which means to call out, to sort of exclaim and announce. Just like that term when it is used regarding the blessings and curses on Hagrizim and Har Evil, Bilshana Kodesh, over there it was done in Loshna Kodesh, Afkam Shana Kodesh, so too over here. When it comes to the Mikrobikurim, that also needs to be done in Loshna Kodesh. Now, how exactly do we know that the blessings and curses had to be said in Loshna Kodesh? So this is learned from a different Gezer Shava. Regarding the blessings and curses, the Brach Soklolos, the word Koil, voice, is used. And that, vo- that word is also used regarding Matan Torah. When the Torah was given, it says that that Hashem called out in with a voice. So there's where we have those two words. The term of Aniyah, Ya'anenu, and the word Koil. So we learn Xer Shava from Matan Torah to the Brochs of Klolos. That just like the Torah was given with Lashna Kodesh, of course, so to the Brochs of Klolos were done in Lashna Kodesh. And then we learn Xer Shava from there to Mikrobikurim, that that also needs to be done in Lashna Kodesh. Mishnah Dalet, Chalitza. Chalitza is the process done in Bastin when a man dies without children and there is a mitzvah upon that dead man's brother to marry the dead man's wife. But if he doesn't want to, then they do a process known as Chalitza in the Beistin. And part of that process is reading Pesukim from the Torah. So Chalitza Ketzad, how do we know that Chalitza has to be said with the exact words of the Pesukim in the Torah? So it's a very similar source to the previous Mishnah, the Ons of the Omra. The Torah says that she needs to call out and say, Ulahalan and elsewhere regarding the Brochus and Klolois, who Omer, the Pesuk says, the Levim will call out and say, so again, we learn Xer Shava. Mohan Yamur Lahalom Mishana Kodesh. Just like the calling out and the announcing, which is said over there regarding the Brocha Sukhlalois, was done in Loshna Kodesh. In the holy language of the Torah, Afkan, Soto over here regarding Chalitza Mishana Kodesh. It also has to be recited in Loshna Kodesh. Rabbi Yehuda, Rabbi Yehuda says there is a different source. You don't need to get onto Xer Shava. We can learn it from the Pesukim themselves. The Torah says, the answer of Amra Kacha. She will call out, she'll announce and say like this. The word kocha is saying it has to be done exactly in this fashion. And we learn from there that the chalitza needs to be done and it needs to be recited in this exact language. 
the Chacham argue against Rabbi Yehuda because the Torah continues there and it says, Such shall be done. Which implies that the Kocha is not referring to what is said, but rather what is done. And that refers to the other parts of the Chalitza which are done in base then. However, according to Rabbi Yehuda, the Kocha refers to the speech as well. And really it emerges that they are arguing on another thing. According to Rabbi Yehuda, since Kocha is referring to the speech as well, if they didn't recite the Psukim in the Chalitza process, then the Chalitza is invalid. Even if they do everything else, since the Kocha, the fact that it has to be done exactly like this, is referring to what is said as well. So if they don't say the Psukim, then the Chalitza is invalid. Whereas according to the Chachamim, the word kocha and the fact that the Torah is particular that it be done exactly like that, that's not referring to what is said. So according to the Chachomim, Eved, once it's done, if they didn't say any of the Pesukim, then it is still valid. And that also depends on how exactly they learn the Pesukim over here. Mishnah hey, the blessings and curses which were said, and there was a whole procedure when the Jewish people entered into Eretz Yisrael, Ketzad, how exactly did this work? In this case, Ketzad doesn't mean where do we learn it from, that it had to be said in Loshna Kodesh, rather it means how, how did it happen? And now the Mishnah goes into lots of detail. When the Jewish people crossed the river, the Yardain, the Yardain split and they entered into Eretz Yisrael through the Yardain. They reached the mountain of Gerizim and the mountain of Evol, which is in the edge of the area known as Shomrain. It was on the side of Shechem, which borders the place called Eloni Meireh. As the Pasuk says, Are they not on the other side of the Yardin, etc.? And the Pasuk there continues and says that they were next to Eloni Meireh. It doesn't mention Shechem, but it says they were next to Elon Meire, Ula Halon, and elsewhere, who Omer the Pasuk says, Vayavar Avram Ba'aretz Ad Mukhem Shechem Ad Elon Meire, that Avram passed through the land of Eretz Israel until the place of Shechem, until Elon Meire. So, Mo Elon Meire, Ha'omer Lahalon. Just like the Elon Meire, which is said elsewhere regarding Avram Avinu Shechem, refers to Shechem, so too Af Elon Meire Ha'omer Khan, so to the Elon Meire, which is said over here, Shechem is referring to Shechem. Be as it may, they reached these two mountains, Hargrizim and Har'evol, Shishashvatim Olurish Hargrizim. Six of the twelve Shvatim, the twelve tribes, went up to the top of Hargrizim, Shishashvatim Olurish Har'evol, and the other six tribes went to the top of Har'evol. And the Torah in Sefer Devarim already describes and lists which tribes were to go on which mountain. Even though this event actually took place in Sefer Yeshua already once they had entered into Eretz Israel. According to most, this took place on the first day. All that we're going to discuss in this Mishnah took place on the same day that they entered into Eretz Israel and crossed the Yaradain. Alright, and part of the Kranim and Levim, not all of them, but some of the Levim and the Kranim, as well as the Orin, stood at the bottom in between the two mountains in the middle. The Orin was in the middle. The Kranim surrounded the Orin, and the Levim surrounded the Kranim. And all of the rest of the Jewish people were on this side and on this side, on the two mountains. Shinemar, as the Pesach says, the Holy Soul was the king of a Shetrov. And all the Jewish people, and its elders, and its officers, the Shaftov, and its judges, were standing on either side of the Orin HaKodesh, the Gomer, etc. And then the Brochs and Klolois began, the Kerner and the Levim, who were standing in the middle, turned their faces towards Hagarizim, and they began with the first Brocha, the first blessing, Blessed be the man who will not make for himself 
a form or an image, talking about somebody who worships idolatry, the Elu Elu, and both the tribes standing on Hagarizim and the tribes standing on Harevol, only Omein, would answer Omein. And then immediately after the first bracha, Hofchu Pnein Kabe Harevol, the Karnam and Levim turned their faces towards Harevol, Ufoskwaklola, and they opened up with the curse, which is the exact opposite of the blessing. Cursed be whoever makes a form or an image for himself and worships it as idolatry. And again, both the tribe standing on Har'eval and the tribe standing on the other mountain, Hagarizim, they would both answer Amen after each bracha and klala. And they would do this, bracha then klala, bracha then klala, adjugim bracha klalais, until they finished all of the blessings and curses. And the truth is, if you look at the Pesukim in Sefer Dvarim, in Parshish Kisavai, the Torah only actually lists the curses. However, the Torah says that they should say the blessings and the curses. So we learn from there that even though the Torah lists the curses, when it came to it, the Karnam and Nevi'im recited the brachos. They actually recited the brachos first, and only then the curses. Alright, V'achakach, and after that, all on the same day, they crossed the Yaradeh and they traveled all the way to Hagrizm and Har'evol, which was quite a distance. There was a miracle that they could travel there so quickly. After that, they brought the stones which they had actually taken from the Yaradeh itself. They took 12 stones from the Yaradeh, corresponding to the 12 Shavotim. They built a Mizbeach on Har'evol, the Sadu'u Basid, and they covered it with lime. The Chosvu Olives called they wrote the entire Torah on this Mizbeach, on these stones, and not just once, but they wrote it B'Shivim Loshain, in all 70 languages, corresponding to the 70 root nations of the world. Shanem, as the Pasuk says in Parshish Kisovai, that it needs to be written Ba'er Heitev, explained very well, explained in a way that anybody who comes from any nation would understand what is said on the stone, on the stones. And this is really another massive miracle which took place. That all on the same day they managed to write the entire Torah 70 times, translated into seven different languages. And after that they brought Karbonos on the Mizbeach, they feasted and rejoiced, and then Monotlois Avonim, they took these stones, returned back to where they had entered Eretz Yisrael, the first location where they came to, Gilgal. Uvo, they came, Velonim Kaimon, and they slept the night in their place in Golil. And then they set up the stones there in Golil as a monument for having crossed the Yaridain and experienced so many miracles on that day. Mr. Vol, the next thing on the list in the beginning of the Perek, which needs to be said in Lashna Kodesh, was Birkas Karanim. When the Karanim say the three brachas which they say to the rest of the people, and the Mishnah asks Birkas Karanim Ketzad, how exactly does the process of Birkas Karanim work? How is it done? And the Mishnah lists three differences between the way it was done in the Beis HaMikdosh and the way it is done outside of the Beis HaMikdosh. The first difference is that by Medina, in the rest of the country outside of the Beis HaMikdosh, they would say it as three separate brachos, like we do nowadays. And at the end of each posuk, the rest of the people would answer Amen. On the other hand, when it is done in the Beis HaMikdosh, it is said as one long bracha, and this is not really a unique law to do because Karnim. It's just that the custom was in the Beis HaMikdosh not to mention Omein. Rather, when Hashem's name was mentioned, and not necessarily at the end of the Pasuk, but when Hashem's name was mentioned, everybody would say, But they wouldn't answer Omein at the end of each Pasuk, and therefore we view it as one long bracha. According to others, they would answer 
with a different pasuk at the end of each bracha. But for now, we're going to understand that all that anybody else would answer was just Baruch Shem Kremach Sulelon Voed, and not at the end of the pasukim, but just when Hashem's name was mentioned. So we view that as one long bracha. All right. Second difference: Bamikdash Emeres Hashem Kichsavai. When they said the Bikas Karanim in the Beis Hamikdash, they would say Hashem's name as it is written: Yud Kei Vov Kei. Nowadays, it's forbidden to um, pronounce Hashem's name like that. But in the Beis Hamikdash, they would pronounce Hashem's name in the way that it is written. Ramadino, whereas outside of the Beis Hamikdash, they would say Hashem's name with the substitute way of saying it, which is Adoi and then Noi. In the Beis Hamikdash, where there was more sanctity, so they could say Hashem's name as it is written, which has more sanctity to it. All right, and third difference is that Bamadina in the rest of the country outside of the Beis Hamikdash, the Kohanim would raise their hands whilst they are saying the brachais to the height of their shoulders. Whereas with Amikdash and the Beis Hamikdash, Agabi Roshehen, they would lift their hands even higher up to above their heads. Reason being that when they said Hashem's name in the way that it is written, so the Shekhinah, Hashem's presence would be above their hands, above their fingers. So it was considered to be more honorable towards Hashem if they would lift up their hands higher up. But says the Mishnah, except for the Kohen Godol, he would only ever lift his hands up to the height of his shoulders, because he wouldn't be able to lift his hands up higher up than the tzitz. The tzitz was the golden band which he wore on his forehead, and Hashem's name was written on the tzitz. So here it would be considered to be a lack of honor to lift his hands higher up than the tits. So he would only lift his hands up to his shoulder height. Rabbi Huda, remember, Rabbi Huda says, Even the Kohen would lift up his hands above the tits and up to higher than his head, like everybody else. Shanem, as the Pasuk says, That Aaron himself, who is definitely the Kohen Gadol, he lifted up his hands towards the people and blessed them. So you see, there wasn't necessarily a problem of lifting his hands up above the tits.